Lord God, as we come to your word now, Lord, I just pray that you will soften our hearts to hear your word, that you will open our eyes, that we will see what you want us to see, Lord God. And yeah, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you will come upon us now. Amen. This morning we're continuing our series looking through the events of Ezra and Nehemiah. Um, we're up to Ezra chapter 7 this week. Uh, I just wanted to start by going back and, and looking at that verse that we opened this morning's service with. You'll, you'll remember right back in the first of this series where we looked predominantly at, at the words of the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 29 foretelling um, the, the return from exile back into Israel that we also touched on Ezekiel chapter 16. You see, Ezekiel was prophesying at the same time. We saw a little bit of that in that timeline that I showed you last week. But the valley of dry bones, when we understand the renewal and the restoration of Israel from exile, the reason that it went into exile was because it, it had become the, the, the kingdom of Judah, the southern kingdom, had become unfaithful to God and God was, was taking out the, the faithful ones to discipline and deal with those that had gone astray. In the midst of that, we have this beautiful promise in Ezekiel 37. Just imagine what Ezekiel is seeing before him. The desolation of the people of Israel represented in dry bones let me read this just these first 10 verses out the hand of the lord was upon me and he brought me out in the spirit of the lord and set me down in the middle of the valley it was full of bones and he led me around among them and behold they were very many on the surface of the valley and behold they were very dry and he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O oh Lord God, you know. That's a great answer, isn't it? If ever you're not sure what God is wanting to do, if you ever feel that God is calling you to do something, you just have no idea how to do it, Take these words of Ezekiel from chapter 37, verse 3. O oh Lord God, you know. You know. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. Here, here is this, this scene that Ezekiel is seeing, the, 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 the remains of God's people, the nation that, that God had brought out of Egypt, a nation to be his own, a nation to be to the world, a kingdom of priests, that the whole world would know of God's goodness and God's love and God's glory and God's plan for redemption. 
and such has been their disobedience and their wayward ways that Ezekiel sees them as this valley of dry bones. Now here's the thing. Where God has a plan, he makes the way. God's promises are always fulfilled. He is is true to his promises. And and this is the beauty of what God is showing Ezekiel here, is that that he is not sitting dead in the water, that his, his plans haven't been thwarted by the disobedience of his people. Where God has a plan, he makes the way. It is not through the effort, it is not through penance that Israel is redeemed and restored and rebuilt. It is by the Word of God. That's significant. We're going to come to that today in Ezra chapter 7. It is by the breath of God. And it is by the work of transformation that God provides upon the bones to give them sinew and flesh, and life. And only imagine for, for Ezekiel the despair at, at looking upon this vision to start with. Like, here is a, a man who faithfully loves God and loves his ways, yet just feels like there is no way No way to breathe life into a skeleton. No way to renew something that is dead and buried and gone. I wonder if you've ever found yourself in a no-win situation. When no matter what you do, you're going to lose some way. It could be a Sunday night. You've got two assignments due Monday, but only time to work on one of them. You, you, or, or you desperately want to go out with your mates, but you're also really tired. And you know if you go out, then you're not going to be able to function tomorrow. Or you've been out fishing and you've caught a big shark and lost your paddle. You're trying to get your first job, but every job seems to want experience. Every entry-level job just wants experience. Sometimes it feels like the whole world is conspiring against us, working to stop us from achieving anything. It feels like we're up against this never-ending opposition. You just never give up and nothing ever seems to go our way. Certainly, that's how Ezekiel would have been feeling, being the prophet of God, the messenger of God. And and certainly, as we come to Ezra chapter 7, we see that this again has been Ezra's ongoing battle. Come out of, of, of Babylon to rebuild the temple, to rebuild Jerusalem. Cyrus gives that decree. But Cyrus's son forgets about it and his successor. And then Darius, there's, there's all of this opposition through that time. And then we jump through Xerxes with Esther. We know the, the opposition that the Jews in, in Susa and in Babylon had under Esther with, with Haman, the chief of their, their prosecutors, their persecutors. And after, after we have Xerxes... We have 
Artaxerxes. And that's where we pick up in chapter 7. You know, I, I imagine at this moment, Ezra's come with the blessing of Artaxerxes to, to again start this work, again progress the work of rebuilding the city of God and his dwelling place in the temple. Be like rocking up to do a working bee at church to be confronted by an army. And it's apt that we're, we're looking at this kind of thing today, you know, the persecuted church Sunday, when we remember and we pray for our brothers and sisters around the world. We pray for their persecutors. But here's some good news. Despite the circumstances, despite how bleak the outlook may seem, God still wins. No matter what the odds, God still wins. No matter what the obstacles, God wins doesn't matter how dead and lifeless something may seem the work of God may seem it's never too far gone for God we look at uh, Easter Easter is a wonderful picture of this where the son of God the incarnation of God himself has come down from heaven to walk among men to bring victory to bring redemption and liberation from sin yet he hangs on a cross paul remarks in in 1 corinthians 15 that where death seems to have won death is swallowed up in victory O death, Paul says, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord and Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the Lord, in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. Now, this is the kind of encouragement that I think Ezra needed, that Ezekiel received from this vision in Ezekiel 37. If you have your Bibles, open with me to Ezra chapter 7. Now, after this, in the reign of Artaxerxes, king of Persia, Ezra, the son of Sariah, the son of Azariah, the son of Hilkiah, the son of Shalom, the son of Zadok, the son of Atab, the son of Amariah, the son of Azariah, the son of Merioath, the son of Zeriah, the son of Uzi, the son of Buki, the son of Abishai, uh, Abishua, the son of Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the chief priest. This Ezra went up from Babylonia. He was a scribe skilled in the law of Moses that the Lord, the God of Israel, had given. And the king granted him all that he asked for, for the hand of the Lord, of, Lord God was on him. And there went up to, he went up to Jerusalem in the seventh year of Artaxerxes, the king, some of the people of Israel, some of the priests and the Levites, the singers and the gatekeepers and the temple servants. And Ezra came to Jerusalem in the fifth month, 
which was in the seventh year of the king. For on the first day of the first month, he began to go up from Babylonia. And on the first day of the fifth month, he came to Jerusalem. For the good hand of God was on him. For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. I'm going to pause there for a minute because there's a lot in this passage, a lot so far that we get to unpack. Ezra was not just any Joe Blow. He was from the priestly lineage of Aaron and in the list of his forefathers, in this genealogy that is recorded for us at the beginning of chapter 7, are some absolute legends. Let's go through and have a look at a few of them. Sariah was a high priest when Neb came in and killed him. Hilakiah was a high priest under Josiah. You remember in, in our recap back in week one, Josiah was the king who, who had rediscovered the law after a, a period of disobedience by the southern kingdom of Judah. And it was Josiah that God has this epitaph. He was a man after God's heart, like none before or none after. Now that might sound familiar a man after God's heart. Who else had a, a heart after God like his own heart? David, King David, the one who has given us so many of our Psalms, the one who, who has demonstrated us and, and liberated and, and set uh, the, the pattern for God's kingdom. The man who was promised to have the descendant that would be the Messiah that, that we know as Jesus. And yet Josiah is remembered as a man after God's heart, even more than David. And Hilakiah was his high priest in re-establishing the law. Zadok was appointed by Solomon to be the high priest. And the prophet uh, Ezekiel regarded the Zadokites the descendants of Zadok, to be free from idolatry. So we see this, this wonderful, important lineage that, that places Ezra here to show that, that all this while, all the way back from, from David and Solomon, that God has been at work making sure that he had the right person at the right time to lead Israel for that next section of God's big plan, working all the way forward to the moment, the time that he would bring Jesus. And here we have Ezra. Ezra from a lineage that has defied idolatry. That has, that has been full of integrity. A, a lineage that has been known to pursue God and pursue God's heart. He has a heritage of people who are passionate for God. Passionate for God's covenant uh, and, and, and relationship with Israel. They have a proven track record of being able to reestablish the relationship of God's people with God and to bring them back to God, to be honoring God in their ways. For that, we see that Ezra is very much like his forefathers. He shares their passion for God's word their passion for helping his people honour God through the law. 
to help them understand it and live it. Just go back and, and re, let's reread that verse 10. For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. Where did the life begin that was promised to Ezekiel in his valley of dry bones? The word of the Lord God. Rebuilding the temple and rebuilding Jerusalem was more than just rebuilding walls and buildings to Ezra. These walls, these buildings were simply tools that served a purpose. They facilitated the relationship, the covenant between Israel and God. The purpose of this covenant was the fulfillment of the promise that God had made first to Adam after the fall, that it was the, the son of man that would crush the head of the serpent, to Abraham that he would be the, the father of many nations and through his descendants all the nations of the world would be blessed, to Moses and, and Israel as they had come out of Egypt, that they would be a nation of priests for God, that the whole world would know to David that he would be the father of the Messiah to come. For Ezra, he understood that the temple meant nothing if the people only did what they wanted. Like Josiah before him, he dedicated himself to the word of God through the written covenant and to teaching it and to helping the people of Israel understand it and live it. In John chapter 2, we have the record of when Jesus went into the temple to rebuke the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the people of Israel in the New Testament because for them, the temple worship had lost its purpose. It's lost it, it had lost its focus and they'd lost sight of why it mattered. In John chapter 2, verse 13 to 22, we read, The Passover of the Jews was at hand. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem in the temple. He found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them out of the temple with sheep and oxen and he poured out the coins of, mon of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who had sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. So the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you will raise it up in three days. But Jesus was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the, the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scriptures and the word that Jesus had spoken. Last week, we touched on, on Paul's writings in, in 1 Corinthians, where he says, that, you know, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, with whom you have, um, with whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. And in Romans 12, 1 and 2, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, by, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. 
It's fair to say that this is the same kind of intent that Ezra understood at the heart and his passion for the temple and the heart and the passion for the word of God and the covenant that God had made with his people to fulfill his promises. For Israel, as it is being rebuilt, as new life is being breathed back into it, that the people would know God to know his love and his plans and his purposes and that they would live intimately in the covenant relationship that God had created with them. His purpose doesn't change as we move from the Old Testament to the New Testament, but instead of our worship and faith being centered around a location and a building, it has become within every aspect of our lives. In John chapter 15, 1 to 11, Jesus explains this purpose and the outworking of what it means to follow him, to live within his plans and according to his purposes. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that, that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. Ezra 10, 7 verse 10. For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach it, teach his statutes in all Israel. This is what it means for for Ezra in this moment. This This is his passion. This is his calling that the people of Israel might know what it is that they are saved to, that they might live in the joy of the relationship that God has for them and that they might be able to play a part in God's plan, that they are tools for God's purposes. God's purpose is to redeem the sinners. For us today, we can do this as well to pursue the heart of God, to abide in his word and abide in his love. Sometimes the tasks of life seem impossible, out of our reach. Sometimes it feels just like it's a little bit too much to make ends meet. God didn't ask Ezra to have all the answers, but simply to pursue him with all his heart to abide in his word, to abide in his love, and to teach that to the people of Israel. God is incredible because as he does this, he sends Ezra a letter. We're going to read that in a minute. But I want to just turn and look at our, our vision statement, something that God said to us as a church. 
He clarified to us. He, he re, reinstated to us his desire that we are a spiritually vibrant church, prayerfully seeking after God's heart to be transformed by his word. That's who God's calling us to be. For some of you, you might look around and feel like we're not the church we used to be. We're not the church we once were. We've lost people along the way. We've had people go astray. For some, you might look around and feel like you're looking like Ezekiel did at a valley of dry bones. Well, the call upon us today is the same as that of Ezra. It's the same that Jesus has given us in John 15. To abide all the more in his word. To abide in his love. Abide in his ways. This is the the letter that uh, God gave through King Artaxerxes as an encouragement to Ezra. From verse 11 in chapter 7. This is a copy of the letter that King Artaxerxes gave to Ezra the priest, the scribe, a man learned in the matters of the commandments of the Lord and his statutes for Israel. Artaxerxes, king of kings, to Ezra the priest, the scribe of the law of the God of heaven, peace. Now I make a decree that anyone of the people of Israel or their priests or Levites in my kingdom who freely offers to go to Jerusalem may go with you. For you are sent by the king and his seven counselors to make inquiries about Judah and Jerusalem according to the law of your God which is in your hand. And also to carry the silver and gold that the king and his counselors have freely offered to the God of Israel whose dwelling is in Jerusalem. With all the silver and gold that you shall find in the whole province of Babylonia and with the freewill offerings of the people and the priests vowed willingly for the house of their God that is in Jerusalem. With this money then, you shall with all diligence buy bulls, rams and lambs and with, with their grain offerings and their drink offerings and you shall offer them on the altar of the house of your God that is in Jerusalem. Whatever it seems good to you and your brothers to do with the rest of the silver and gold you may do according to the will of your God. The vessels that have been given you for the service of the house of your God, you shall deliver before the God of Jerusalem and whatever else is required of your house, the house of your God, which it falls to you to provide, you may provide it out of the king's treasury. Ezra, here is a blank check. Here is a blank check. I will cover whatever costs you need. Go and make right with your God. Go and and set in place what needs to be set in place for your God to fulfill, continue to fulfill his plans and his purposes. And I, Artaxerxes the king, make a decree to all the treasurers in the provinces beyond the river. Whatever Ezra the priest, the scribe of the law of God of heaven, requires of you, let it be done with all diligence. Up to a hundred talents of silver, a hundred cores of wheat, a hundred baths of wine, a hundred baths of oil and salt without prescribing how much. Whatever is decreed by the God of heaven, let it be done in full for the house of God, house of the God of heaven. Lest his wrath be against the realm of the king and his sons. 
We also notify you that it shall not be lawful to impose tribute, custom or toll on any one of the priests, the Levites, the singers, the doorkeepers, the temple servants or other servants of this house of God. And you, Ezra, according to the wisdom of your God that is in your hand, appoint magistrates and judges who may judge all the people in the province beyond the river, all such as know the laws of your God. And those who do not know them you shall teach. Whoever will not obey the law of your God and the law of the king, let judgment be strictly executed on him, whether for death or for banishment or for confiscation of his goods or for imprisonment. Blessed be the Lord, the God of our fathers, who put such a thing into the heart of the king to beautify the house of the Lord that is in Jerusalem and who extend to me his steadfast love before the king and his counselors and before the king's mighty officers. I took courage for the hand of the Lord my God was on me and I gathered leading men from Israel to go up with me. Just when you think that God's plans seem insurmountable, he makes a way. There's one big difference for us today though is that we cannot expect our government to build our church message that we have is that we are the church it's not bricks and mortar it's not nine o'clock on a sunday morning god has given us as he gave ezra the responsibility to build his church word by word in our hearts That is the challenge for us if we are to live faithfully as a spiritually vibrant church, God's people here in Bowen that he has called us to be. It's an impossible task. But we don't do it in our own strength and with our own wisdom. We do it through surrendering all that we have all that we are, recognizing that our, the battle is not ours. The battle belongs to God. So my question for you today, will you surrender your heart? Will you surrender your desires, your expectations, your dreams? Will you devote everything you've got to the word of God, to pursue his heart, prayerfully pursue his heart. That means not not prayerfully dumping your load on God and saying, God, I want, I want, I want. But prayerfully coming and saying, God, you know. Those words of Ezekiel, God, you know. Teach me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we come in and we are humbled by the knowledge of your great mercy. Lord, as we see woven throughout history, your plan being put into place right from the very beginning. Father, we thank you that, that you raise up faithful men and women like Ezekiel, like Ezra, like some of the testimonies we've read about the persecuted church, Lord. 
You raised them up as, as you did Esther for such a time as this to bring transformation and renewal through your word, through faithfulness to your covenant. And Lord, our prayer this morning is simple. As David prayed, search our hearts. See if there is any offensive way within us. And lead us in your ways, your love and your word, everlasting. Amen.